Welcome to the Digital Marketing Insights Podcast, brought to you by Brightside Digital. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm delighted to say today I have Femi with us, who's a consultant at StrikePay. Femi, how are you doing, buddy? I'm very good. Thank you, Tom. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Femi, to start off, can I ask you a little bit about yourself? Can you tell us your career today? Yeah. Um, thank, thanks again, Tom, for having me on and, and thanks for your audience for joining us today. Um, uh, my name is Femi, as you said. Um, I'm currently a consultant um, for growth and operations at StrikePay um, in Ireland. Um, although we're looking to go pretty global very soon, so maybe Ireland not so much in the future uh, alone. Um, but prior to that, I've worked quite across many other many other industries and companies. The last six years before StrikePay, I was at um, Bolt, uh, working in the right any space, again, leading growth and operations um, in Africa, uh, Nigeria specifically. Uh, and beyond that, I've actually had a bit of um, an eclectic career working across various industries. I love to learn new stuff, so I'm always moving around quite a bit. Um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Brilliant. And obviously, specifically looking at your kind of marketing experience, and obviously Nigeria is such a massive economy in Africa and yeah. has the biggest population, so it's a big market to play with. Yeah. In terms of marketing, what would you see as your main strengths uh, honestly, when it comes to marketing, I think it's 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 more about building the blend, the right blend of growth strategies to implement. Um, so you know there are you, you can go with a product-led growth strategy, you can go with a marketing-led growth strategy, you can go with the sales-led growth strategy. Um, many companies choose to pick one and focus on that, uh, but I think the most the best companies tend to have a very good blend. Of all three and so uh being able to have that good solid blend of of all different type of growth strategies it's kind of like where i kind of fit in and i'm able to coordinate and work very deeply with marketing experts um, sales experts and product teams to just find the right blend to help a company grow in whatever market uh that we're in that that's pretty much what i've been doing primarily and that, that's basically my skill set in the digital marketing space well so let's for the moment start with product strategy uh, do you have like a, a process yourself of how you, let's say a new business comes in and let's keep it mm-hmm. soft and simple. Let's say trainers, uh, a sportswear kind of growth strategy. How would you look from a product point of view? How would you build out a strategy like that? Um, I guess, it dep- I mean, it'll then when, when, when you go to the product side, it's not really focused on the on what's being sold. It's more about the platform through which you're selling it. Um, so if you look at, um, let's say, as your example, a, a trainer's company, it would be um, how do you reach the, the, the consumers? What kind of platforms do we use? Do we have a website? Do we have apps? Uh, and then from those apps, how can we use those um, those digital products to sell more effectively to the customers? How do you build better experiences for the customers? How do you gain um, art and mind? How do you earn goodwill? Uh, how do you build a product that is... Um, iteratively very, very competitive in the market. Um, you keep improving it constantly, but also inherently within the product, you build your marketing through the product itself in that the product en- encourages customers to share, encourages customers to invite other people to participate, uh, encourages customers to purchase more, you know, and grow the business. So that's how you look at it. So it'd be more about how do you 
the digital products itself to actually grow the business. That's brilliant and really interesting. So, for example, with StrikePay, your company uh, you're working with at the moment, do you, so the first thing you kind of do when you walk in is where's all the marketplaces or the platforms were integrated in and, and you, that's your marketplace first and foremost. And then you try and understand your audiences and how people use the product, let's call it, in those. Yeah, spaces. yeah, kind of. I, I think it, it's always great to start with the team, though. Um, I know it's not really um, um, marketing per se, but uh, you should always start with the team you're working with, uh, evaluating the team, uh, be sure you have the right people. It's really, really important. If you have the, if you have great people, they kind of make hard things easy. Um, so having a, a great team is really, really important. And in marketing, especially if you have really creative, um, innovative people working with you, you know, then it makes it makes really challenging projects a lot easier to work through. And then you go to, as I just said, looking at the, at the market, um, who are our competitors in this space? What are they doing well? What are they doing that leaves room for growth opportunities? And then what are the best things about our product? Um, what are the things that we, we need to improve on, you know, uh, and so on. And then you start from there to start building out a, a, a marketing guide with regards to both the product side, but also the sales and and um, a marketing side. Um, of course, depending on how much resources a business has, you might want to focus more on product because it's a lot easier to do product um, marketing in that it's 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 mostly internal. You don't have to pay too much to outside agencies. You don't have to do ads and so on. So paid advertising can, can take a backseat in the early days. Uh, but obviously, if you want to have a, a complete um, marketing toolkit, a product growth toolkit, it needs to include everything, including the marketing side as well. And looking at yourself for a second, how you operate, Femi, is there any mm. softwares you swear by or anything that you use that helps with your work? Yeah, I think in my experience, I'm. Um, uh, I basically started my career as a as a software developer, and then moved into product, uh, and then moved into business analysis, and then eventually into growth and marketing. So I've kind of been quite a, a, a along the block, uh, and and around the block, you, you tend to pick up quite a lot of software that you use for various things. Um, however, I think the main things I use and I would say are great to work with. Even just from the from the basics, right? Spreadsheets are, are amazing, are amazing toolkits. They they they're they're like a very good hammer. They work for a lot of things, but they don't solve every problem. Uh, but it's a good place to start if you don't have a lot of toolkits. So whether it's Google uh, Sheets or, or or Microsoft Excel or or some other version of of a spreadsheet, they are always a great place to start with regards to analyzing data. Uh, but of course, from there, I, I build on with the entire Google or Microsoft suite. Um, dedicated uh, analysis and presentation software like Luca and Mixpanel and Google Data Studio, Alteryx, Tableau, Microsoft Power BI. It kind of cuts across, but as you can see from those, from those ones, it's mostly about analyzing data and being able to present it in a great way. Uh, though this would be the, the core to the, the tools that I work with usually. Yeah, and uh, to talk data for a second with you, is there any, what do you see as the main KPIs that lead to a successful product or growth strategy what what do you think are the the main ones and maybe you know conversions things like that are obvious but mm. is there anything that you think okay a lot of people overlook this area um um, I, th I, th I think there, it's not, it's not as complicated as sometimes people make it, make, make it seems. Um, I think what's quite interesting to always do is to break it down to like the, the simplest metric that you can measure. It's always really, really good. 
because if you have metrics that have a lot of variables to them, it's difficult to measure when you take actions to improve them, right? So the more the more nuanced though, or the more the the more into the minutiae you go into with the data, the better your ability to measure the impact of actions that, that you take. So what I'll always recommend, because again, the data is always um, different for various industries, for various products, uh, but always bring it down to the very simplest data that you, that you can have and then build out from there, measure from there and build out from there. Away from your particular strengths, Femi, is there any areas you're mm. looking to upskill into and why? Um, I think kind of, kind of go back. I mean, it, it's, it's probably one that you never really stop working on. Uh, and that's really team team leadership um, uh, and people management. It's really really important. Uh, obviously, the longer you go in your career, the more you eventually end up in positions where you have to manage teams, manage people, and it doesn't come naturally to everyone. Even though a lot of people make it seem like that, right? Uh, but every everyone can do it. You just need to put in the work to to learn how to interact with people. Uh, as I said myself, primarily in the past, I'd never been someone who was particularly um, people-oriented. I would usually work on projects by myself. And so in the early part of my career, I didn't really work on people management skills or I have the opportunity to do so. However, in the last, I would say in the last seven, eight years, uh, I've been working a lot more on projects that required me to interact with a lot more people. And usually, I mean, it, it comes down to your team. So you're just improving that as, as well as being what I'm working on. I think at the moment, I'm, I'm pretty decent at it. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say I'm perfect. Uh, and, you, and you can always learn, uh, of course, and improve over time. But that's one that you can never stop learning. Because again, the, the also quite uh, right now, the... Uh, marketplace for talent is changing quite dramatically. Um, there's a lot more Gen Zs in the workplace than in, than I'll say in the last ten years, um, and that is changing the perspective of managers from from what I guess maybe the millennials when you work with mostly millennials and then working with Gen Zs, um, you kind of have to have a, a shift in the balance of, of how you manage people um, becomes a lot more nuanced when, when you're managing individuals and managing groups as well. So that's kind of like where I'm working on myself the most at the moment. Brilliant. And in terms of new tech, I know this is an industry that you are aware of, but is there anything mm -hmm. that you think is coming down the pipeline that's going to really change the digital space? I mean, the the great thing about tech is that it, it's always happening. You're always getting the um, the next the next best thing coming coming around the corner all the time. So you kind of like just need to keep watching out for that. Um, I think the and I know it, it must everybody must know about it by now and, and and expect that it's going to be either and have strong opinions by the way on which way it's going to go. I think Web three is quite interesting. Um, it's quite interesting in in that it's. At the moment, there's a lot of grifters and and and, and companies with shady um, um, claims to fame, you know, and and, and um, business practices currently in the space. So at the moment, it's quite challenging uh, to see what 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 the true um, opportunities of that market is going to be long term. I think there is there there, there are some really interesting things happening in the Web three space. Um, it's going to take a while to come to fruition. Um, I think there's still going to be a lot of pushback from traditional businesses from from Web two with my with my finger cut in the air. Um, uh, that that will still push back on Web three for for quite a while to come. Uh, but it, there are some really really interesting things there, and I think for me primarily, one of the strongest ones that I've seen that that seems to have gotten 
um, not so much attention at the moment, but been doing a lot of great things underneath the radar at the moment is probably um, um, doing contracts on the blockchain. Um, seen a lot of startups building building the system mostly on the on the Ethereum network, but but there are some really interesting startups in that space doing some really interesting things that could digitize contracting um, um, going forward into the future, which would be quite interesting. That's, yeah, sounds really interesting for anyone listening that you know might not know what Web three is or, uh, or or the basis of it. Is there any way in layman's yeah. terms? I know that's quite a hard thing to describe. <laughs> yeah. In layman's terms, could you explain Web three for just you know the the listener that is only discovering that term? I yeah, uh, Web three. I mean, if you've heard about blockchain or cryptocurrencies, you've probably heard of Web three. Uh, it's mostly just this decentralized approach to technology, whereas in Web two, which we're most used to right now, you have um, I would say, like for example, um, a social media platform like um, um, Facebook would have central servers across the world that host the data that we all have access to. Uh, whereas in Web three, that same solution would be just across the across a blockchain, which is a like tiny little I don't know how to refer to it, maybe it's like small. Um, files across thousands of computers shared across that then basically makes it more secure, easier to access potentially, um, but basically keeps it from being controlled by one single entity. And it has a variety of implementations, including things like cryptocurrencies, uh, smart contract and so on. Yeah. And uh, the smart contracts you mentioned, uh, I'm, I'm familiar with the smart contracts on the blockchain and mm -hmm. how businesses send them up. And I know for example, I think Gucci and Versace have just entered the, the Web3 space as big brand Web2 companies. But mm. is there anything, is there any example of a smart contracts that you could talk about that make people think, oh, that's that's interesting. I, I, I want to yeah. play out. Yeah, um, I think at the moment when it comes to... Um, I, I, I'll go about it. In, I'll answer the question in, in two ways, right? So, if you look at um, smaller startups like like Diwali, for example, um, what they're doing is building out a way for um, uh, companies to offer um, um, certificates uh, and so on uh, online. So, for example, you do there's a lot of um, online um, teaching models now for whether you're doing Udacity or you're on or you're on Masterclass or you're on um, uh, what's it called? Skill, uh, Skillshare. There's so many um, um, facilities now to to learn stuff on, and these companies usually want to give some sort of accreditation um, for the courses you've taken. Smart contract is changing the way those companies are able to not only offer those accreditations but also keep track of it for validation going forward into the future. Uh, so that's one way to look at it. But actually, potentially, the, op the opportunities there going forward are things like being able to do. Online online trades a lot more effectively, being able to on, um, uh, transact businesses, large scale large scale transactions uh, without needing intermediaries to actually manage those transactions. So, for example, potentially potentially in the future, with smart contracts, you might be able to, for example, purchase a house completely online without needing to sign any physical contracts. You might be able to, um, for example, do a transaction that has that are, that have serious value, right, online and 
have all the legal documentations embedded in a smart contract that's easy to verify, validate, and maintain going forward, right? And, you know, obviously can get lost because it's on the blockchain and so on. So there are some interesting opportunities in the blockchain space or when it comes to smart contracts for the future that, that at the moment we're not even sure what could potentially be digitized into smart contracts at the moment, but there are so many people working on really interesting projects in that space. Femi, I must admit, that's probably the best summary I've ever heard of anyone explaining smart contracts. Uh, so thank you for that. And I'm sure anyone listening that wasn't familiar with Web3 knows a little bit more of its potentials. Um, just, I suppose, reinforce uh, and make it more to the domestic level. Uh, university qualifications or passports are being looked at on the blockchain because they can't be forged. Exactly. You're taking all of that out of the market by adding adding it to the blockchain. Let's say you pass a course at university, you get your qualification, you load it up to the blockchain in line with that person. And then all of a sudden, anyone, anywhere can look and see the validation of the, the, the qualification. There's no more making up you know, qualifications or degrees and so forth. Yeah, so it, exactly. It, that's just an example of what could happen with Web3. It is yes. decentralized. You're, 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 you're perfectly right, Tom, exactly. And and especially the passport um, um, one you mentioned, because right now passport validation is actually a very tedious process for immigration services globally. It's very challenging to, to spot fake passports. Um, even though it would seem like it should be relatively easy, but actually um, um, fakes have gotten really, really good. Um, and so there are all these um, projects looking at at um, digitizing um, or putting um, the verification information of, of, of passports and digital identity uh, um, solutions on the blockchain. And those could be a massive game, game changer. Brilliant. And lastly, Femi, we always ask the same question on the show, which is if you could bottle up one personality trait and pass it on to others, what would it be? Just one? Yeah, just one, yeah. Uh, um, I would say um, probably I'm, I'm a little obsessive um, when it comes to when it comes to the details of, of a project that I'm working on. Um, it helps, um, but but. I also know when to zoom out and look at the big picture. So you, you know when to zoom in and focus on the minutiae. I know when to zoom out and look at the big picture because it can help at, at different stages of a project to be able to go into the details and work on the very, very basic details and then zoom out to the big picture to be more efficient, move quickly and stuff like that. So I would say that's probably the, the one that I hope that I wish people had um, more because a lot of, um, especially from my experience working with pro- on, on projects with people, they tend to be one or the other, right? They either really like looking at the big picture and don't really like to bother about the details or they like to look at the details so much they forget about the big picture. And being able to zoom in between those two different levels of detail is really, really a great skill to have. Brilliant. Yeah, Femi, thank you so much for such a wonderful episode and thank you for doing the show with me. Um, I'm sure everyone listeners love what you've got to say. That's it. We're done. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tom, for having me.